No, I definitely at some point was like, I felt like I was the only one who was feeling this way. I felt like I was the only one going through this, whatever I was going through. And it was like really lonely because, you know, when you don't understand and you don't have like the knowledge to understand that it's a very normal thing, which I didn't in sixth grade and in seventh grade and eighth grade, um, it is stressful and it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's very lonesome in a way. And so I didn't know that, but then I don't know exactly what the specific moment was when I started to realize that I could not be the only one feeling it. But at some point it just clicked and it made perfect sense that like, if I was feeling this way, it's not like one person is the only person who's going to feel that same way. It's like, even if we've been through different experiences, we can all connect on the same feelings because we have all felt the same things. We might be experiencing something different or going through something different, but I've learned that people like the one way that people can connect is like we've both felt sadness we've both felt maybe regret we've both felt disappointment in ourselves and others we've both felt excitement and and happiness and memories and 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 that can be something we can connect over rather than the differences of our experiences Hey, welcome back to Normalize the Conversation. Today, I'm here with Charlotte Wasserman, the teen founder of It's a Girl's Life, a 501c3 dedicated to empowering young women to become the creators of their own stories and be confident taking control of their world. She's also the co-host of the It's a Girl's Life, a module-based learning podcast for young women to recognize the power they have inside. Charlotte also occasionally speaks to groups of young women about the importance of finding their purpose and empowerment. Charlotte, thank you so much for joining me today. How are you really? I'm doing well. It's the day after Thanksgiving, so it's a lot of like gratitude feeling and comfort and family, but also just thank you so much for having me on. It's a true honor, and I'm super excited for our conversation today. I am super excited as well. And when we first connected, I loved how similar our stories were, Mm -hmm. how we both started with blogs at a young age. I think it was the age of 12, right? 12, right. Yeah. Yeah. That's so crazy. I never meet anyone who has that same, like, let's start a blog at the age of 12 story. So I love that. But can you tell us more about your story and it's a girl's life? Definitely. So it all started back when I was in sixth grade. I I was 12 years old, facing the typical middle school challenges socially and academically. And I was kind of feeling a little bit lost at that point in my life. And I was just like trying to find some meanings of things that was happening and challenges that I was facing. So I decided to start a blog and I used the blog as a platform to be able to talk about what I was feeling, what I thought other teens were feeling. And then as I got older, I really wanted to learn more about how I could actually figure out wh- why I was feeling these ways and what I was facing and what the true meaning was. So I used to read up a lot on like psychology.com and like these adult self-help books and post about what I was learning as well. So it kind of changed and developed into like a learning a place where I was sharing what I was learning as well. I absolutely love that. And I had that same mission where I was sharing what I was learning. I was expressing my feelings and hoping that if someone else felt the same way that they could find some kind of 
comfort in knowing that they weren't alone and hopefully help prevent other people from feeling that way. So when you started the blog, were you nervous about it? What kind of response were you getting? Yeah, I mean, I was nervous because it was kind of like putting yourself out on a vulnerable, in a vulnerable way to people who you knew, but also to people you've never met before and like fear of judgment and criticism and not just criticism, but more just like fear of judgment or someone would look at it and be like, what is she talking about? Or I don't know. Um, It was hard because at that point in my life and, and still at this point in my life, I feel like sometimes the people who are around my age who might know me really well almost don't it's almost like a level of maturity of like talking about this stuff and sometimes people just don't get why you would do that or why you would put yourself out there like that and between you and me I think we can both understand why it's impactful and and how it really changes things and I think it just takes other people a few years to understand the impact of that as well and if they're not interested in you know starting their own blog or something they might think it's kind of weird but uh I've learned to grow I've learned to know that uh when you do something that you're passionate about and that speaks to you it's gonna find someone that speaks to them as well and that's the power of being able to share what you're feeling and being open about it Exactly. And if you can just impact one person's life, it means so much. So how did this blog continue to grow? After you launched the blog, how did you get from there to a 501c3? Yes. So it was like a seven year jump um, to a 501c3, but it all kind of makes sense because when I was developing the blog, I, I was in about eighth grade. So it was two years later. And I just really was interested in learning about how to gain confidence, how to bounce back from setbacks, how to find a core group of friends who supported me and had my back. And these were all topics that I was kind of struggling with in the past, but I didn't really know what they were called. I didn't know the right questions to ask. I didn't know who to ask them to and how to find out about it. So I decided that, you know, if I'm feeling these things and questions, that I bet you there are other teens who are also feeling that as well. So I decided to partner up with the California-based organization who was teaching girls at the time about grit and resilience to high schoolers in like small group settings. And I decided that I would partner up with them and create an event series for my hometown, Cleveland, and for the girls who lived here. So from ninth grade to 11th grade, I partnered with them and created what was what is now known as three events that we did. One was virtual because of COVID. And then from there, it was, I think it was around a year ago, actually, it was after our third event that was in October of last year. Um, And I just felt this urge, like our missions were kind of going in two opposite directions. And I I knew the visions that I had for It's a Girl's, or what is now known as It's a Girl's Life, the 51C3. And it was kind of different from where I was going with that organization so I decided that I was going to do something a little bit outside my comfort zone and leave them and start my own organization and that's what we ended up doing and that's what we're known as today it's girls life the 501c3 that is absolutely amazing especially so young I mean yeah it's definitely something (laughs) to know what you want to do and for it to be to want to help people and answer the questions and have the conversations that no one else is doing and having is 
so powerful and so impactful. And I just, I'm so inspired by you, first of all. And I really love how it really started as a place of having questions. And a lot of times when we have these questions and we don't know where to get the answers from, we crumble. We kind of let the weight of the world come down our shoulders and we're like, well, I must be the only one feeling this way. How do I not know this? Why don't I know this? I'm all alone and that's it. So how did you ever get to that point of feeling like you were alone or like you were the only one having these questions or did you know right away? No, I definitely at some point was like, I felt like I was the only one who was feeling this way. I felt like I was the only one going through this, whatever I was going through. And it was like really lonely because, you know, when you don't understand and you don't have like the knowledge to understand that it's a very normal thing, which I didn't in sixth grade and in seventh grade and eighth grade, um, it is stressful and it's, it's, it's kind of like, it's very lonesome in a way. And so I didn't know that, but then I don't know exactly what the specific moment was when I started to realize that I could not be the only one feeling it. But at some point it just clicked and it made perfect sense that like, if I was feeling this way, it's not like one person is the only person who's going to feel that same way. It's like, even if we've been through different experiences, we can all connect on the same feelings because we have all felt the same things. We might be experiencing something different or going through something different, but I've learned that people like the one way that people can connect is like we've both felt sadness we've both felt maybe regret we've both felt disappointment in ourselves and others we both felt excitement and and happiness and memories and 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 that can be something we can connect over rather than the differences of our experiences in a way that is so true we all have feelings and the causes may be different the symptoms of them may be different the way we experience them, but we all have the same basic feelings Mm -hmm. and that is a way we can connect. But like you said, we're really taught to suppress our feelings. Mm -hmm. We're taught that crying is weak, that Mm -hmm. you have to hide feeling sad, that you have to look a certain way and behave a certain way and be seen a certain way. Otherwise you're not cool. You're lame or whatever the unkind words that people want to call you in high school and middle school. So it's so important that we start normalizing these feelings that we have. How did you start approaching those conversations? I think it took me, it took a lot of courage because obviously like when you're in a world, like you said, where sometimes feelings are looked at, like sometimes when people say vulnerable is a weakness in a way, um, it can be scary to go out there and you're not going to know how other people respond. But I think it starts with knowing that however people respond, you know that they felt that way before and you know that they understand it's just some level of maturity. Either they're going to, you know, think that it's kind of weird, but they've felt that before and they're going to ignore it or they're going to accept it and kind of open up to you. And I think that um, no matter however they respond, it's more of a reflection on them than anything and what they're going through. And, and they might just not be confident in themselves or what they're feeling. So something that really helped me was just knowing that, A, we've all felt that before. Um, and B, just be the bigger person and open up about it because these people might be feeling the same way, but not even know how to talk about it. So if you can be that person for them, it's, it's, you're like helping them. It's like doing a service for them because you're giving them the opportunity 
to be able to share what they've gone through and share their story. And, and you don't know how much that can impact someone unless you do it and, and unless you take the courage yourself to do it. Exactly. You never know how much hearing your story will mean to somebody. And yeah. by hearing someone else say it, it kind of gives you the courage like, okay, maybe I can open up too. Maybe it's okay right. that I feel this way. So exactly. these blog topics that you started with, you said you really came up with the different social and academic challenges that mm-hmm. you were facing that other teenagers were facing. So what were some of those different challenges and how did you, how do you think they played a role in mental health? I would say that the top challenges that I faced, which I think are very normal, are friendship challenges. So I have been going to the same school for that I've been at like currently for 14 years. I started there when I was four and it's a small school and it's an all girls school. And so I have been growing up with the same group of girls when I was in sixth grade, as I started when I was in first grade or kindergarten, and I had the same group of friends. And since it's a small grade, you know, you kind of separate in your groups of friends and you kind of get stuck in a way in that group. And I thought that it just made sense to me in my, like, my brain is obviously wasn't developed fully at the time as it still isn't now. But in my brain, I thought that if I met someone when I was younger, say like, what, six, seven, then I should be best friends with them. If I was best friends with them, then I should be best friends with them now. That means that that how long you are a friend of someone means that it would equate to like being a best friend. And the best friend is just about being friends with someone over time, not about how they make you feel. So I thought that, and then I was like really confused when I was not feeling the same ways about them that I always did. And I, when I wasn't facing and I wasn't get, like having the same friendship with them, um, because we, it was kind of like we were growing apart and, and those people, it was just like not a really good experience and they weren't being as nice as they always were to me in the past. And that happens because that's just normal, but I didn't understand how that could happen if I was like their best friend, you know? Um, and it was all because of the misconception. I thought that time made someone a best friend, not what you, the memories you make with them or the connections you have. Um, so that was one thing. And then, and that was just like a, a, like so hard because I was like jumping to friend groups. But if you're in a small school, it's like, oh, did you see Charlotte hanging out with a different group of people? She's at a different lunch table. Like that must mean she was, doesn't want to be friends with us. Why is she hanging out with new people? It's like, okay, who cares who I'm hanging out with? Like, it doesn't really matter. And like, it's just, it's just like a small school kind of thing and especially in all girls school all this is heightened and the drama gets around in a second so um that was happening (laughs) and then at the same time I have always been a really hard worker in school and always wanted to apply myself and do well um but I was it was like I would study super hard and I would prepare a lot I would take the test and my work would not be reflected onto the assignment and I know that's a very specific and niche example but it was really hard because I would try over and over and over again. And I felt like it was almost like there's a force pushing against me that wasn't allowing me to do well in my schoolwork, even though I was trying so hard and my teachers knew I was trying. And it took me a lot of years into like last year when I was a junior to finally see my work reflected, which was amazing. But it was just so hard because I would put in so much energy and time and it just wouldn't be reflected. And I didn't want my teachers to think I was just, you know, not even preparing at all when it looks like that. So those are kind of the main challenges I was facing and it put a lot of pressure on myself. Um, So that was really hard at the time. 
So with, well, first of all, thank you for opening up so much. It's really hard to have those types of conversations where you feel so open and so vulnerable and a lot of people don't open up. So thank you for doing that. When it comes to friendships, that is such a common misconception that everyone has. And I remember feeling that same way. I had friends that I grew up with. We all, um, we were competitive cheerleaders. So we all cheered together and we all went to school together and everyone stayed in like the same, I think it was K through eight and then high school, but everyone who went to the same K through eight went to the same high school. So it was, everyone was always together. The friends you made in kindergarten were going to be your best friends all the way through. And that was it. So then I remember as I got older, it just, we had different values or different priorities. I, like you, was really into school and doing well. I spent so much time studying. And I remember getting made fun of for that. And like my closest friends were so mean, not because Mm -hmm. they maybe wanted to be mean. It just didn't make sense to them why someone would study so hard. Right. And I felt trapped. Like I had to constantly be surrounded by people who didn't understand yes. me and made me feel bad about myself. Right. And I it's felt that before. <laughs> it's not fun. No, it's not. And like you said, there's that misconception that you think, well, since they've been my friend for five years, 10 years, 20 years, they're going to, they're my best friend and that's it. So they can talk to me and treat me however they want. And I just have to deal with it. And if I'm feeling upset by it, then it's me. I'm the problem. Yes. I always, I remember when I was little, I was like texting these people. Like I was apologizing for things that I didn't do wrong at all. And it took me so long to realize that it wasn't me. That was really the problem at all. And I would try to make it up and be like overthinking all these past things that I did and maybe think like, Oh, that must've been the problem. That must've been where I went wrong. And then I would text them like apologizing and like writing paragraphs and like, I'm so sorry for what I did. And it was like, I didn't do anything. You know, it was like, I remember even challenge being challenged of how I was supposed to apologize because I was trying to figure out what I did wrong. And I would try to like make something, I don't even know what I did, but it was almost like all of it. I, I put myself through all this and you too. Like we put ourselves through all of these things that were al- almost like limiting beliefs um, that were really holding us back. And and we thought they they must be true because I thought it, it's almost like all of these thoughts in my head must be true. But now that I look back on it, it's like, how could I ever do that to myself and put myself in that box? Like, like why would why would I be so self-constricting in a way that didn't allow me to find people or even earlier that supported me and made me into the better person that I am today. Like, why would we do that to ourselves? It's like mean (laughs) that we would do it to ourselves. And you look back at it and you don't know how you were stuck there for so long, but that's only because we got out of it. Mm -hmm. And a lot of people don't get out of it and they think that it's okay. And their relationships later on also reflect that. And you spend all this time apologizing essentially for being yourself apologizing for who you are and what you enjoy doing and who you want to be and the values you have. And that shouldn't be something that we apologize for yet as teenage girls specifically, that's what we're taught. We're taught to constantly feel bad for who we are. And if we're feeling a certain way, we have to suppress it and just figure out how to fix ourselves. It's like this idea that we have to fix ourselves all the time. Right. 
I think I think that is it in a way, but I also think what I'm trying to do with the work that I do and with the nonprofit is that it's not about thinking like I I just think I I don't really like to focus on the idea that it's kind of like poor me, I got myself into this situation and now I'm stuck in this situation and I have to figure myself way out. I think it's more bringing strength to those situations that a lot of people look down on. And I think it's bringing strength to the vulnerability and bringing strength to the challenge and the obstacle and recognizing how much farther you've come from that person in the past. And, and it's like a real empowerment more than anything, because it's, it like, it's just things that we go through throughout life and stuff that are teaching us how to, and we're constantly learning new things that are building us up better than we were before. And I think that can be seen as more of a strength and a positive more than a negative, even though it might've felt so negative during the time. Yeah. So how did you get to that point? The point of where you were struggling with these friendships to this person who has became the creator of her own story and has been taking control of her life and is now empowering other women to do the same. I think it all came about when I started recognizing all that I, I've been through and all that I continue to go through and recognizing that is not something that is a just happening to me, like we were talking about before, but also B is something that can be looked upon as helping others in a story that can empower others to do the same. And at that point in my life, I started listening to a lot of podcasts about female entrepreneurs because those are people I connected with most as an aspiring female entrepreneur. And I started listening and reading books about them and listening to podcasts and everything. And I so clearly identified what every one of their stories had the exact same, which is that they all at some point felt something that made them feel like they were struggling and not worth it, didn't have any value and, and, and vulnerable. And they use that as a motivator and something to really empower more people and to impact more people too. And I saw that and that fueled like success. And I saw that with every single, you know, business that we all know about and use to our, in our day-to-day life, but also just like everyone's story had the same thing. They're all facing vulnerabilities. They're all struggling. They're all being challenged. And they somehow use that and recognize that and use that as a strength in order to impact more other people. And I thought that was amazing and something that I just wanted to do. I absolutely love that. That's how you found kind of your voice and your motivation and passion through it by relating to other people's stories and seeing that there really is no such thing as an overnight success. No one just no. starts super confident and super ready and then boom, Amazon. It takes time. It takes years. It takes falling apart a few times. And we don't see that side. We only see the overnight the success glamorized, side. Right. Yeah. Yeah. So I really wanted, I, th- I felt like I had the opportunity to be able to show that it's not that and to kind of like correct the story in that way that a lot of people see. And so it's a lot of like saying and reminding people that, you know what, you might be seeing me now, but that isn't how it started out. And, and you cannot compare my seven years of experience to your first year of experience, or your second year of experience. We're just totally on different tracks and that's okay. Um, but you can get to where I 
And because I just believe that I had something that I needed to share. And I did that and I did it over and over again. And I failed and I tried again. And that's how I've gotten to where I am, but it's not really unique at all. You know, I admire you so much for showing it because people, we don't again, see the whole story and we do compare ourselves. And then going back to your second main challenge of school and trying so hard and feeling like it's not reflected in the work. We often compare how hard we work with how hard other people are working and why are they doing better than me? And why does it look like their work looks so much better than mine? Their test scores are so much better than mine. What am I doing wrong? Mm -hmm. I felt that a lot. And one thing I finally realized, which took me a very long time, was that um, I kept with it for all those years. And when I was like, I, I go to a very competitive school. So my things that I define as good is, is off <laughs> a lot. Um, but when I was like a, a straight B student, which would, I would just say for myself, because of the environment that I was in A's and, and high A pluses were, you know, the norm and people were striving towards perfection. Um, so that's what I thought was success, but it, it's, it's not. Um, and when I was like that, and when I was getting these grades that were just so terrible and I was putting in all this work, it just made me feel like I, 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 first thought like oh there must be something wrong with me I must not just not be smart enough to get I must not deserve it I must not there's something about me that I don't have that that other girl across the room is getting straight A's and has and I don't know what it is yet but even when I felt that and wanted to give up a lot of times I decided that you know what I can't because I just I want to see it so badly and I want to be able to prove myself and not just be the smartest person in the room I just wanted to self-prove myself that I could do it and, and, and so I did, I tried and tried and tried again. And then eventually, um, last year I started seeing a lot of academic growth, which was amazing because I proved to myself that effort is effort can win anything and everything. And if you put your mind to it, you can achieve it. And that's all I wanted to do. That's all I wanted to prove to myself that that was real. And it is, and it's, and, and, and I think that I, I know that I, I won't ever be the smartest person in the room, but I can outrun everyone with my efforts. And, and I think that will get me so much farther than just the person who's getting the grades and, and smoothing by, you know? Exactly. We don't realize how much effort can really change the narrative and change the story. We tend to, like you said, getting straight B's while everyone else is getting A's and that's the norm. And how defeating that can be and seeing why can't I get straight A's like everyone else with straight A pluses or highest grades. It gets to be so defeating. I remember feeling that same way. There was one class that drove me crazy in high school. And Mm -hmm. I just, I couldn't get the A plus. Everyone else I felt like could and I couldn't. And a lot of people feel defeated, defeated. And my younger brother, for example, if everyone else is doing better than him, he's like, okay, well, I just can't do it and that's it. Mm-hmm. And it's not going to okay. motivate him to push and to study all night because he could study all night and still not be the high right. score versus me. And it sounds like you where it's like, I'm just going to keep trying and I'm going to keep pushing myself and put in that effort and it will pay off. And right. over time it does. But like you said, it took a long time. It wasn't until junior year where you really got to see all that effort paying off. And we tend to give up right before that point so many Mm -hmm. times right yeah I think that's I think that's like entirely true and entirely important and one thing that 
has um, also helped that is kind of weird, but like the college process because I'm a senior. So I've been applying to colleges and, you know, you see what they want. You see what they're asking for. You see that they want this certain grade point average. They want this scoring or ACT or SAT. They want all these characteristics. And sometimes you can't check all the boxes. And, and one thing for me was that I had, I learned about a school and I wanted to go there. And it was a stretch and it is a stretch. And I don't know if I'll even get in because at this point, I don't even know yet, but I said, I can, I can see myself there. I can see me doing so well there and I can see that I will be challenged there. But I think in the end, it's just like everything I've ever done. I put in the effort and I'll hopefully get, and I will be able to achieve what I want to achieve. And, and it was interesting because throughout the whole process, it was like me going back in between like can I actually do this? Can I actually get in? But then me also being like, you don't even know, you could be the one person that they choose. And just because of you're different from the normal child who would apply there and has everything checked off, you might be the one rounded, well-rounded person who doesn't. And that might be the reason why they choose you. And so I have been able to kind of see how even just trying and putting myself out there and like believing myself that one little bit, I don't know how it will turn out, but I know that they they could possibly accept a student who doesn't check all the boxes and that could be okay. And that could be like an amazing thing to talk about later just because I wasn't the perfect poster child for that school. And, and, and I think like it shows more value that I haven't done everything that they're asking for. And, and I've been able to like interview with someone who went with the school. I just said that last week. And I just, I felt like I had so much more to share and so much more that I could bring to the campus than someone who was just, you know, checked everything off, you know? And, and I think there's some part of me that believes that they would realize that too. And I think that'd be really powerful to share and talk about if it happens well, which we don't know. No matter where you end up, you're going to do amazing, but I believe in you because what makes you different is your strength. And a lot of times, like you said, with the college process specifically, it psychs you out so much. It took such a toll on my mental health back then. And it's hard because we can't always check off every box. And even if we do, it's still not a guarantee. And it causes so much fear and it causes so much anxiety. Should I even apply? Am I wasting my time? Am I getting my hopes up for nothing? Right. But How something, have you hoped? Yeah, I think it's just like something inside of me gave the gave me the confidence to be able to say that even though my school didn't suggest that I should apply here because it is reach um I mean I walked up to my college counselor and I was like I I see myself here I gotta do it like I know you didn't suggest it to me I know I don't check all the boxes I know like there could be a lot of reasons that they would maybe decline me but I think there's also so many strong things that they would say yes and I decided that I I just needed to I felt that once and I needed to go with that because it's not like you have these gut feelings and it's not like they're not there. Like they're there for a reason and you feel that way for a reason. And I think that it's possible, you know? And I think coping with it was just that, A, I had to believe in myself because I think I could, I think that with anything I've been doing, it wasn't like a guarantee. Nothing was a guarantee, but I I put in the efforts and I was able to do it. So it's almost like knowing and, and depending on your own, ability to do something you got to prove it to yourself and 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 be your biggest advocate because that is the one thing when everyone else doesn't believe you that you could do it 
if you believe in yourself, that's all you need. And you need to run with that because sometimes you won't have people on your side and sometimes you won't have people in your corner. And that doesn't mean it, it can't happen, you know? Yeah. And my biggest um, motto is that I'd rather try and fail or not get in or not succeed than ask myself the rest of my life, what would have happened, what right. I have gotten in. And I remember I went to my academic advisor too, and I was like, I'm applying to UF. Um, and she looked at me and was like, you're not getting in. Like, you're not getting in. That's a reach. You shouldn't even waste your time and apply. I did get in. I did go. I graduated in two years and have two degrees from there. So they don't always know. And just yeah. because you might not be that poster child doesn't mean that you won't get in or you won't succeed. And I think a lot of people are afraid to just put themselves out there. And that applies to any part of your life, not yes. just school, but say. even like workout goals or eating healthy goals or business goals, career goals, um, parenting goals, mm-hmm. anything you can get there just because you don't feel like you're at that point now doesn't mean you'll never get there, even if it takes a long time. Agreed. And I think that's why it's so important to surround yourself somewhere or another with people who are doing what you want to do because it will show you that it's possible. And that's been one of my biggest things. I know I always surround myself this whole time, the whole like blog from now with people who inspire me, which is mostly female entrepreneurs, because I'm very, I I love business and I love um, just seeing like confident females and young women who are just doing things that they love to do. And it really inspires me. So I did that by um, having like a whole separate Instagram page that turned into what the organization page and I post on it now, but it was a page for, to follow only people who inspired me. And I don't really like to look at my personal Instagram feed because it's only people who I know. And it's just like what they're doing with their friends. And and I don't really care that much in a way. And it doesn't really inspire me at all. It just used to make me feel a lot of FOMO when I was little. So I just don't even pay attention to it because it's just, it's not worth it. And I instead look at the page that inspires me the most and, and makes me want to continue to do what I do. And, And these people who are where I want to be and that makes it seem like it's possible which it is but you just it's like you don't understand that it's possible until it happens and that's a very normal thing but um just you know do whatever you can to make it seem like it's possible because it is exactly and I love what you brought up about your Instagram feed because we do tend to follow people we know and we just see them hanging out with their friends or how good they look or how much fun they're having or where they are. And you can't help but compare yourself to that. Right. It's human. It's normal. And right. it feels so heavy sometimes. I know for me, the same way on inspiring my generation, it's following people who I actually want to see their page, see their content. And I unfollow people all the time. If you're adding no value when I see yeah. your post, I'm going to unfollow you because it's my own mental health. Yeah. And we don't realize that you can just unfollow someone, even if you've known them forever, even if you love them dearly, if it's really hurting your mental health, if it's making you yeah. feel bad about yourself, it's okay. It's Instagram. And it's not worth it. Yeah, <laughs> exactly. So I really want to talk more about your podcast. Tell us more about it. That's been a newer initiative, part of this a girl's life, because I was such a writer's focused person when I started and writing gave me the ability to 
write something, edit it till it was perfect and wait until it was the last possible point where I got all the perfect wording in the perfect font or whatever. And then I could finally post it and share it to the world. But as I got older, I, I liked to push myself outside my comfort zone a little bit more and speaking was something that I wasn't confident in at that point. And, and it was something that I could do where I could not uh, edit every single word and it would have to go out there and people would have to hear it and me speaking imperfectly. Um, and it gave me so much confidence to find that voice and find that vulnerability and openness and all that stuff that I was, it, the podcast seemed like the perfect place to do that. And um, we have not done like that many episodes, but we have one coming out soon and it's between me. So like I have a co-host and she is a personal development coach for teen girls and young women. And so she's an adult and I'm kind of like teen or kid and something. And so we go back and forth and we kind of um, try to uncover these topics that are important to me and things that I want to teach to other girls. And then um, I'll invite on a guest, someone who really inspires me and is who is living out that thing that we're trying to teach. And we kind of get to see a real life example of someone who is living an empowered life or, you know, sharing their vulnerabilities online. What do they do and learn more about them? hopefully to inspire um, another girl who could just, that could just be the spark that allows her to believe in herself. I absolutely love that. Having conversations with people who inspire you is the most amazing thing in the world, first of all, because I just, when I get to have a conversation with someone who I genuinely admire and I get to hear their story and find a piece of myself within that, it is incredible and getting to listen to it. I listen to podcasts all the time just to hear other people's stories. Yeah. And when you can connect with that, it really does change your life in a way. So just take a second and think about how many girls' lives you're impacting every single podcast episode. That is amazing. Thank you so much. Yeah, it's been such an amazing journey and definitely one that I'm still working on every day. Like last night, I was literally staying up really late because I was trying to figure out like how I can become a better interviewer and stuff and it's always a work in progress and sometimes you guys don't see that behind the scenes but definitely is and it's been an unimaginable experience that's so funny that you say that because like an hour ago I was just talking to someone who I absolutely adore this woman named Antoinette and I was asking her advice because I did record an episode the other day and I was like I feel like I could have been better. I feel like maybe I was a little awkward. Maybe my questions weren't as great. I could kind of see it in the guests reflected in the way they were answering. And it's okay not to know. I think that's something that's so hard when you're starting a podcast and you're doing a podcast is feeling awkward, trying to figure out how to make it better, how to grow, how to become a better interviewer. I love Oprah Winfrey so much. So I compare myself to her and I'm like, not a good comparison yeah I mean she's been doing it for years so it's almost like you can't compare yourself to someone else's point in their life because they're simply so like farther and that's okay because you know she's older than us so you know she has years of experience and was doing this even before we were probably alive so um but she's I mean she's an amazing interviewer and stuff like that where it's just like wow years of experience can truly changed things and and I bet you if you look back in her old interviews she probably wasn't as she I mean she was always really good just like saying she has grown as we are growing too 
So it didn't start out. She wasn't interviewing like this when she started out. I don't know when that was, but if you look it up, I bet you it's probably a little different. Exactly. And that's important to realize that we're all growing, no matter what we're doing, we're all growing. And where we start now and where we're starting today is not where we're going to end up. We are going to continue to grow. So to never feel discouraged. And what is some advice that you can recommend to a young woman who wants to start taking control of her own story, but feels trapped? I think the one thing you can realize is that sometimes you only need one person to believe in you to be able to do something. And that can be a family member. It could be whoever you feel most comfortable with. It doesn't have to be in your family. Um, it could be a friend. It could be someone you look up to, or sometimes you don't have, at that point in your life, you don't have anyone like that. And it's okay to lean on yourself to be that person. And I think, I honestly believe that there's always two voices in our heads. And sometimes we try to li- we listen to the one that's loudest. And sometimes that could be the one that's not the nicest. Um, but if you kind of quiet everything that's around you, cause we're so distracted all the time, which is okay. It's not a problem, but it's just the reality. Um, if you can quiet everything that's happening around you and try to listen to that second voice, that little origin, you, that little fire that is slowly growing, um, it will give you the confidence and the power to be able to do whatever you want to do. And it's there. It just needs a little bit of time to listen to it. And just like, uh, it's just like building a connection with someone. It takes time and it takes time to, it takes times with everything. And even just listen, listening in on that person that believes in you, that takes time to grow too. Um, but it's there. It's just, you got to find it. That is amazing advice. Finding someone to believe in you and learning to believe in yourself are the most powerful things because that's where hope comes from. And a little bit of hope goes a long way. Charlotte, you've been absolutely amazing. Thank you so much for joining me today. Thank you so much for having me. This was such a good time.